Book Two, Chapter One of A Family of Noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book Two, As Becomes Good Kinsfolk, Chapter One. A hot midday in July the dubrovino manor-house all deserted workers and idlers alike resting in the shade under the canopy of a huge willow-tree in the front yard the dogs too were lying stretched out and you could hear the sound of their jaws when they drowsily snapped at the flies even the trees drooped motionless as if exhausted all the windows in the manor-house and the servants quarters were flung wide open the heat seemed to surge in sweltering waves and the soil covered with short singed grass was ablaze the atmosphere was a blinding haze touched into gold so that one could scarcely distinguish things in the distance the manor-house once painted grey and now faded into white the small flower-garden in front of the house the birch-grove separated from the farm by the road the pond the village and the cornfield which touched the outskirts of the village all were immersed in the dazzling torrent the fragrance of blossoming linden trees mingled with the noxious emanations of the cattle shed there was not a breath of air not a sound only from the kitchen there came the grating of knives being sharpened which foretold the inevitable hash and beef cutlets for dinner inside the house reigned noiseless confusion an old lady and two young girls were sitting in the dining-room forgetful of their crocheting which lay on the table they were waiting with intense anxiety in the maid's room two women were busied preparing mustard plasters and poultices and the rhythmic tinkling of the spoons pierced the silence like the chirping of a cricket barefooted girls were stealing silently along the corridor scurrying back and forth from the entresol to the maid's room at times a voice was heard from upstairs what about the mustard plasters are you asleep there and a girl would dash out of the maid's room at last heavy footsteps sounded on the staircase and the regimental surgeon entered the dining-room a tall broad-shouldered man with firm ruddy cheeks the picture of health his voice was sonorous his gait steady his eyes clear gay and frank his lips full and fresh in spite of his fifty years he was a thoroughly fast liver and expected to see many years pass before he would give up drinking and carousing he wore a showy summer suit and his spotless piquet coat was trimmed with white buttons bearing arms on entering he made a clicking sound with his lips and tongue girls he shouted merrily standing on the threshold bring us some vodka and something to eat well doctor how is he the old lady asked her voice full of anxiety the lord's mercy is infinite arina petrovna answered the physician what do you mean then he just so he will last another two or three days and then good-bye the doctor made an expressive gesture with his hand and hummed head over heels head over heels he will fall how's that doctors treated him and now all of a sudden what doctors the zemstvo doctor and one from the town used to come here fine doctors if they'd given him a good bleeding they'd have saved him so nothing at all can be done well i said the lord's mercy is great and i can add nothing to that but perhaps it will work 
What will work? I mean the mustard plasters. Perhaps. A woman in a black dress and black shawl brought in a tray holding a decanter of vodka, a dish of sausages, and a dish of caviar. The doctor helped himself to the vodka, held the glass to the light, and smacked his tongue. Your health, mother, he said to the old lady, and gulped the liquid. Drink in good health, my dear sir. This is the cause of Pavel Vladimirych dying in the prime of his life, this vodka, said the doctor, grimacing comfortably and spearing a piece of sausage with his fork. Yes, it's the ruin of many a man. Well, that's because not everyone can stand it. But I can, and I shall have another glass. Your health, madam. Drink, drink. Nothing can happen to you. Nothing. My lungs and kidneys and liver and spleen are in excellent condition. By the way, he turned to the woman in black who stood at the door listening to the conversation. What will you have for dinner today? Hash and beef cutlets and chicken for roast, she answered, smiling somewhat sourly. Have you any smoked fish? We have, sir. We have white sturgeon and stellated sturgeon, plenty of it. Then have a cold soup with sturgeon for our dinner and pick out a fat bit of sturgeon, you hear me? What is your name? Ulita? Yes, sir, people call me Ulita. Well, then hurry up, friend Ulita, hurry up. Ulita left the room, and for a while oppressive silence reigned. Then Arina Petrovna rose from her seat and made sure Ulita was not eavesdropping. Andrei Osipich, have you spoken to him yet about the orphans? she asked the doctor. Yes, I did. Well, there was no change. When I get well, he kept on saying, I will make my will and write the notes. Silence, heavier than before, filled the room. The girls took the crocheting from the table, and their trembling hands worked one row after the other. Arina Petrovna heaved a deep sigh of dejection. The doctor paced up and down and whistled, head over heels head over heels but did you try to drive the matter home to him doctor well i said to him you'll be a scoundrel if you don't make a definite provision for the orphans could i make it clearer yes mother you certainly slipped up if you had called me in a month ago i would have given him a good bleeding and i would have seen to it that he made his will but now everything will go to yudushka the lawful heir it certainly will oh grandmother what will become of us said the older of the two girls plaintively and almost in tears what is uncle doing to us the girls were aninka and lubinka the daughters of anna vladimirovna ulanova to whom arina petrovna had once thrown a bone i don't know dear i don't know i don't even know what will become of me today i am here and tomorrow god knows where i'll be maybe i'll have to sleep in a shed or at a peasant's goodness isn't uncle silly exclaimed the younger girl i wish young lady you would keep your mouth shut remarked the doctor turning to arina petrovna he suggested why not try to talk to him yourself mother no no there's no use my talking to him he doesn't even want to see me the other day i stuck my nose into his room and he snarled have you come to see me off to the other world i think ulita is back of it all she incites him against you she surely does nobody but she and then she reports everything to porphyry the bloodsucker people say he keeps a pair of horses harnessed all day waiting for the beginning of the agony and just imagine the other day ulita went so far as to take an inventory of the furniture wardrobe and dishes so that nothing should be lost as she said 
we are the thieves just imagine it why don't you treat her more severely head over heels you know head over heels but fate decreed that the doctor should not develop his thought a girl all out of breath dashed into the room and exclaimed in a fright the master the master wants the doctor end of book two chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine